This is Stacey Harbaugh and Marcus Slayton with your local news, coming to you live from the WORT studios in downtown Madison during our winter pledge drive. Keep your calls coming. Here's tonight's headlines. Republican state lawmakers blocked a new administration policy requiring 7th grade students to be vaccinated against meningitis, the Wisconsin State Journal reports. The state health services department policy also would have required that healthcare providers document a history of chickenpox in order for children to skip that vaccine. Today's action by the legislature's rules committee on a six to four party line vote suspends enforcement of the vaccine policy through April 2024. Republican Senator Steve Nass of Whitewater, who chairs the rules committee, said that the rules were arbitrary and put undue hardship on parents. For the third time, Democrats in the Republican-controlled state legislature have reintroduced a resolution proposing an economic bill of rights for Wisconsin. The measure declares that Wisconsinites have a right to, among other things, an equitable living income, union representation in the workplace, clean water, and a fair justice system. Democratic Senate Minority Leader Melissa Agard of Madison, who helped introduce the resolution, says that the legislature should embrace the best of Wisconsin's progressive past. The last two times the Democrats have introduced the resolution, it has failed to advance in the legislature. Democratic state lawmakers introduced a new bill yesterday that would ban shackling women up to six months into their pregnancy. The Dignity for Incarcerated Women and Girls bill was introduced at a press conference yesterday. The bill would also ban shackling women up to six weeks after they had given birth and create a doula program for Wisconsin prisons. The Wisconsin Examiner reports that around 58,000 pregnant women are admitted to jails every year. One of those women spoke yesterday, saying she gave birth while surrounded by correctional officers after arriving at the hospital in handcuffs. The bill was announced by Democratic State Senator Lena Taylor of Milwaukee and Representative Lisa Subek of Madison. Representative Jody Epperson, an, a Democrat from Eau Claire, is also a co-sponsor of the bill. The community COVID-19 testing clinic run by Public Health Madison and Dane County will end the, end the service April 14th, the agency announced today. The closure coincides with the end of the federal emergency order, which will occur on May 11th. Once the federal emergency order has expired, county-led COVID vaccination and contract tracing efforts will also be affected. More information on those changes will be available in the coming weeks. Free tests will, will, free tests will remain available by mail through the Say Yes COVID test program through the end of May. It's Thursday, which means, once again, snow is falling in Madison. The current storm is expected to last through the evening, and the City Streets Division is warning of slushy and slippery roads until tomorrow morning. Now, as of right now, the city only intends to plow and salt main thoroughfares throughout Madison and will continue to do so throughout the storm. And as of this afternoon, the Streets Division says that regular trash and recycling pickup will take place tomorrow. The Streets Division is also cautioning driving throughout the evening and that everyone should continue to practice their winter driving skills, even if the past few days have felt like spring. 
That means driving slow and anticipating your stops so you don't slide. Another debate between incumbent Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway and mayoral challenger Gloria Reyes has been scheduled for later this month. The Capital Times reports that they will be hosting the debate alongside Channel 3000 on Monday, March 27. The debate will take place online and on air on WISC-TV, and although the public will not physically be in attendance, the Capital Times is looking for community questions. You can submit your questions for the candidates online at captimes.com. First built in the 1980s, the Ferris Huber Center has housed Dane County's jail work release program for decades. But today, county officials announced that the building is transitioning into a landing place for people suffering from a mental health crisis. WRT producer Nate Wickehout has more. That the Ferris Huber Center, the former work release jail just off Rimrock Road, will be shut down and converted into the home of the new crisis triage center. Plans to find a space for mental health triage have been on the works for years. The goal? To help people experiencing addiction and mental health issues and keep them out of the carceral system. Here's how Dane County Executive Joe Parisi outlined the plan earlier today. A crisis triage center is a 24-7 resource, a place where an individual experiencing a behavioral health emergency can go to de-escalate, receive immediate care, an assessment, and a referral to an appropriate resource. Once open, people could either be dropped off by family or law enforcement, or check in by themselves, and stay for up to 23 hours. As Executive Parisi says, it would be a place to truly triage a mental health crisis. And during that 23-hour time period, they will get help de-escalating, they will be assessed to, to help figure out what's going on and to figure out what the best course of action for them is. Is it a referral to a longer-term crisis center? Is it, you know, are they able to get some counseling and go back to their family and then get some ongoing counseling? You know, every situation is different, and this would be that, that, that one place If you didn't know where to turn, you could go and someone would be there to help you. The Crisis Triage Center will be housed in the building that was formerly home to the Ferris Huber Center, which until recently had housed jail residents on work release for decades. That wound down in the summer of 2021 when inmates on work release were released and transitioned to electronic monitoring. Today, only the Electronic Monitoring Department of the Sheriff's Department uses the space. Dane County Sheriff Calvin Barrett says that it is symbolic that the building will now be used to help those experiencing a mental health crisis. The county executive and I are proud to stand in front of a building that was built in the 1980s for incarceration and now announce its transition into a crisis triage center that focuses on treatment of those who are experiencing short-term mental crisis. This facility will divert those with mental health crisis from our criminal justice system and out of our jail population. Barrett adds that with the building's transition to become the new crisis triage center, the electronic monitoring department will have to find a new home. Barrett says where that will be hasn't been decided yet. Gene McClellan is the executive director of the National Alliance of Mental Health Dane County, or NAMI. She says that the Crisis Triage Center will fill a much-needed gap in supporting those going through a mental health emergency. We need the support for a safe, less restrictive place 
for our peers, you know, those experiencing a mental health crisis. A lot of times now when there's a crisis, people are picked up and they're, the police transport them to either Winnebago, which is, you know, a couple hours away, or they are transferred to or transported to Mendota. And that can be extremely traumatic. Neither Parisi nor Barrett could provide a timeline for when the crisis triage center will open, but they did outline the next steps. The county board has already approved over $14.3 million for the project to fund the construction and initial opening of the facility. The county will begin to hire a consultant in the next few weeks to assess the facility and create a plan for its redevelopment. Later this year, the county plans to open applications to find an organization to run the facility. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Nate Wuggiehout. Yesterday, a Verona-based contractor outlined their findings from Pilot Project that could help remediate some toxic forever chemicals from the environment. WORT reporter Faye Parks has more. Around this time last year, WORT reported that officials had signed off on a study from a Verona-based contractor to partially remediate toxic forever chemicals at Truex Airfield on Madison's north side. It's part of a long-running effort from federal, state, and county officials to attempt to mitigate the effects of PFAS, the forever chemicals that have been known to cause cancer along with a host of other health issues, like decreased fertility and development issues in children. Now, the results of that year-long experiment are in. The study comes from Orin Technologies, a private company based in Verona. At the core of the study is BAM, that's bioavailable absorbent media, which would trap the PFAS chemicals in its slurry. Once trapped, microbes harvested from Truax and cultivated in the lab could break down the chemicals. Here's Michael Rikers, spokesperson for the Dane County Regional Airport, which commissioned the study in conjunction with the Wisconsin National Guard. And it's it's really two parts that, that make this system work. Um, one is the BAM material, the bioabsorbent material. Uh, and what that does is it attracts PFAS to, like, it, it, it attracts them into a, a heavy concentration. And then this microbe, is introduced and it feeds on PFAS molecular compounds. And then through the course of the first phase of this, this pilot project, we realized that the microbes that eat PFAS need a steady supply of oxygenated soil or oxygenated material to keep living. And so um, a third component to this project are electrodes in the ground that generate oxygen within the soil. Larry Kinsman is the owner and founder of Orin Technologies. At a Dane County committee meeting presenting the findings last night, Kinsman said that so far, data collected from a variety of environments have supported his hypothesis. But he also acknowledged the concern about the byproducts of these chemical reactions. He claimed that the process in question is continuous. Another thing you'll see is some of the generation of some of the shorter compounds early on. So you'll see some of those get worse before they get better. So we do sometimes see some of those shorter chain PFAS get created as intermediates in the breakdown before eventually themselves going away. Uh, But they do eventually drop off. But members of the public, along with members of the Dane County Environment, Agriculture, and Natural Resources Committee, are skeptical. They point out that the findings have not been peer-reviewed. In attendance last night was community member Lance Green, who spent two decades administering a state Department of Natural Resources program to reduce greenhouse gases. Green is the co-chair of Friends of Starkweather Creek, an organization advocating for the rejuvenation of the Eastside Creek that's been hit hard by PFAS and other toxic chemicals. 
In 2019, testing from the State Department of Natural Resources found that Starkweather Creek contained higher levels of two main types of PFAS than any other body of water that had been tested that year. Green drew on his professional experience to suggest that BAM may not be effective on a widespread scale. Um, it's, I mean, it's great to have these technologies tested to see if they can destroy PFAS. That can be done in a lab. I'm not sure it's going to work in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet up and down and around and all through where these PFAS are now migrated into groundwater. According to Rikers, the airport spokesperson, more details about the study will be posted on the Dane County Airport Commission's FAQ in the coming days. The next phase of the study is to analyze the chemical footprint of a former firefighting training area near the Dane County Regional Airport that's been shown to have high levels of PFAS that drains into the Starkweather Creek. WORT has not obtained a copy of the study, with officials saying it's still being processed. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Faye Parks. The time is now 6.32, and you're listening to the local news on WORT 89.9 FM right here in Madison. I'm your host, Marcus Slayton, here with Stacey Harbaugh. Thanks for joining us tonight on the 6 p.m. local news. This week on the Out of the Box podcast, host D. Starr continues his conversation with Madison-based writer and filmmaker Raphael Raglan to talk about the stars that gave him his big break. It was 377 seats there, man. Like, we had somebody clicking, clicking. Man, we sold 425 tickets, man. I don't even know how that's possible. Man, we had people standing around the theater on the wall watching yeah, the movie, real. man. That's I was real. like, even though you probably couldn't even see everybody in the movie because the quality went all that great, right. but the story. It was a good story. <laughs> it was local. It's like everybody from the town was there. Anybody who was anybody was in the movie man. or on the soundtrack. You yeah. know what I mean? That was up. And then you know what else helped them? movie i'm not gonna lie you know this is a true story too i was like one day you know while we were shooting this movie it's my birthday right it's, you know february it's cold outside so next thing you know i'm out with this um i had this singing girl denise mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying me and denise is out you know she took me out for my birthday and so we go to this you know hotel we go to this hotel and as we walking in this hotel to check in she look and she say that's that girl from the bad girls club this right. is when the Bad Girls Club was just coming, you know, it right. was like, it was in season when three. When it was popping. Right, yeah. it was popping. So um, she said, that's that girl from the Bad Girls Club. You know, I didn't watch it. So I'm right. like, no, that's not. Oh, we watched it. Right. <laughs> I'm like, we no, watched right. it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't watch it. Right. <laughs> so anyway, she's like, that's the girl from the Bad Girls Club. I'm like, nah, that's not her. She's like, yes, it is. I said, well, you know me. I, you know, I ain't afraid to ask no questions. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. So she in the lobby on the computer. So I'll walk over there. I said, excuse me, you from the Bad Girls Club? She said, yeah. I said, you're doing a match. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she was like, well, me and my boyfriend was coming from Milwaukee and our car stopped. Mm. We, on our way to Chicago. we was on our way to Chicago. And she said, our car stopped here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. Well, I might can help you with that. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so I made a call. They get in the car with us. We ride over there, you know. Next thing you know, we at the person's house. And they, you know, they, yeah, they, now we get in tune. So I'm like, you know what? This is a blessing. Right. I say, you know, I'm doing this little movie. You know what I'm saying? I say, how can I get you involved? She said, what you want me to do? I say, man, I want you to act in it. You know, um, be one of the main characters. She was like, all right, well, you know what I'm saying? I said, now, look, and don't get me wrong. I ain't no Hollywood, you know, right. it ain't no big budget, you know what I'm saying? But throw me a price and I'll make it happen, you know? Right. She was like, how long is the movie? I was like, 
probably about two hours, hour 45. She was like, okay, well, since you looked out for me, you know, give me about 1500 and I'll do the whole movie for you. I say, take a thousand. <laughs> take a thousand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Knock off 500, take a thousand, I'll buy you a meal. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so she, you know, she decided to do it. She was like, so that, you know, that, you know, that put a boost to the movie as well. Cause now we started saying, you know, Tiffany from the Bad Girls Club right, right, is, right. is in the movie. You know what I'm saying? So people's like, Mm. So and he, she was at the premiere. Yeah, at the premiere, yeah. She pulled up with like 20 girls. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They all from Chicago. She probably she came in deep too. I was yeah. like, okay, okay. And she did her thing in the movie too, bro. She, you know, she she yeah, she did her thing, you know. It was some scene. She definitely did her yeah, thing. Yeah, she did her thing in the movie. <laughs> I was like, it was a scene when I was like on, right. on set, like yeah, we all remember right, that right. scene. You know what I'm saying? The windows got foggy and everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it was a you know, it was a good story. So that's how that came about, man. And then that night Is that movie on your streaming service? Yes, it's on um if y'all wanna check that movie out, it's on Virtual Visions, you know. Um I think it's still up there, you know, because I don't know if the um project manager or the show, or the TV show took it down. You know, right. he get to you know if it, it ain't right here, but like okay, let's put something else up. Right, but it might be still on there. So it's Virtual Visions. Y'all can go to VirtualVisions um, site, or you can go to um, Roku, Apple TV, um, Fire Stick, and, and and go to Virtual Visions and just type in Virtual Visions and you know go on my site and y'all can see some of my movies. But yeah, man, that's you know that day that gave me when I left that theater that night, man, and, and we went partying in a limo. While everybody was drinking and, you know, kicking it, I'm sitting in a limo like, I might be on to something. I might you be know? on to something. Right, I said, I might be on to something. Because, I mean, to see all those people to come in there to support you, it was like, man, I might be on to something, I man. So, and that's what made me keep going, man. That was a that was definitely a night to remember. Yeah, that, we had a lot of fun that night. We had a lot of fun a couple of nights. Yes, we <laughs> did, man. Yes, we did. So, who would you say was like some of your biggest influences, and what are some of the notable people that you work with? Okay, well, like I was saying, um, Spike Lee. This is when Spike Lee was kind of you know Spike Lee. You know when people yeah. knew Spike Lee, and uh, people still know Spike Lee, right? You know hey, when, when Spike Lee was. If you, if you turn around. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I was trying to do the right thing, right, you know? Right. So I met Spike Lee and I went out to New Well, my sister introduced me to her. She was like, my sister was into the music and choreographer. She was a big choreographer out in New York. Right. My sister knew everybody. She was like the choreographer, Salt and Pepper. Like she's in all, you know, when this is when Salt and Pepper was Salt and Pepper, right, you know? Right. They were, she was in all their videos. She choreographer, you know, she was doing the choreographer for their videos. So right. she knew everybody in New York. So when I was um like on my vacation, you know, behind the wrong side of the gate, you know, right, right. she used to always reach out to me like, you need to do something different with your life when you get out of there. Blah, let's keep you. We come to New York, I'll introduce you. Cause I was a rapper too, but you right. know what I'm saying? I was like, man, I don't know about New York, you know? Right. You know, I, I was comfortable in, you know, Madison, Chicago area, you know. But she used to tell me all the time. But when, one time I took a trip there and she introduced me to Spike Lee. And she was like, he writes stories and this. So I just started hanging around, you know. And, you know, he really didn't give me nothing big, but he was also throwing me a bone. You know what I'm saying? He was like, you know, you mentioned, you know, in your stories when you start doing your movies, mention, um, you know, Spike Lee, you know, um, it was 40 acres in a mule. 40 acres in, in a mule. Right. Yep. So 
Um, he was like, you put these commercials in there, you know, and I'll throw you a little something, you know, to help you, you know, progress, shoot your movies. Oh, wow. So that's what, if you look at like the beginning of my movies, you will see like 40 acres in a mule, uh, people wearing like right. his gear or his, you know, talking about him, you know, so that helps me, uh, help me along. After a while, you know, he really wouldn't, you know, boost me to where I wanted to be boost. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, yeah, right, 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 right. For the love of my sister, you know what I'm saying? He got... He got me right. Um, and then, man, I just kept going from there, bro. And and then I met, like, Tyler Perry. Well, honestly, I met, like, some of the notable people I met was, like, Angela Robinson. She's in, like, she's, you know, half and half not. She's in Tyler Perry, like, show. And Michael Johnson brought her up here to the Boys and Girls Club. And he had, he called me, like, man, I want you to do some camera work for, you know, bring the camera, you know, shoot, you know, she'd be up here signing an autograph. And... He, he must have told her about me because when I came and I was, you know, with the camera, she was like, so I hear you. She walked up to me. She's like, so I hear you do movies. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was like, um, I need a movie. Wow. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, she said, so what's up? I said, I'm trying to get on your level. Like, right. this video is on YouTube. You can go watch it. I'm like, I'm trying to get on your level. She said, on my level. She was like, you know, you are on my level. And I said, well, I got a question for you. How can a person, an inspiring person like myself trying to, you know, trying to get into the business, how can I do it? And she was like, well, keep doing what you're doing. I like what you're doing. She was like, um, and the right person going to be in the audience. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, okay. So after, you know, she signed autographs, she was there for a couple of hours. You know, before she left, she found me. Okay. She was like, yeah, take my email. You know, give me a, um, and email me. She said, let's, you know, let's talk, you know. And I was like, shit, I would love to see some of your work, you know? And I was like, okay. So from that day, man, I was probably about five, six years ago. Right. That was D-Star, host of the Out of the Box podcast, talking with Madison filmmaker Raphael Raglan. You can hear the full episode on the Out of the Box podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. This week on The House Always Wins, carpentry educators and home improvement wonder kids, John and Allie, go downstairs to help us keep that spring thaw from flooding our basements. Now, to be fair, it looked and felt like spring when they recorded this segment. I call it housework, because it's like work. I'm going to throw shapes, filling the base to my feet hurt. Hi there, I'm John. And I'm Allie. And welcome to The House Always Wins, a place where you can learn cool stuff about your house. I like learning cool stuff. You know, Allie, it's starting to look like uh, spring is uh, springing outside, you know, between those various snowstorms. Yeah, to be fair, this winter has been kind of weird. It's been marked with just like weeks of spring weather and then interrupted by an occasional winter storm and sub-zero temperatures. It's kind of hard to keep track of what winter ends and spring begins here. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's like, oh, I could take my coat off. Nope, got to put the coat back on. Oh, no, uh, go get the snowblower. Oh, no, go, uh, yeah, shovel the rain. I don't know. Okay. Um, I tell you what, though, it is getting to be that time of year where some people may start seeing water seeping into their basements. Yeah, that can certainly be an issue at my house. And, and having water in the basement is pretty common all around Madison. Mm -hmm. Many of our homes, they're built on swamp. Um, we're surrounded by lakes. We're surrounded by rivers. And even if you're not on the isthmus, your home is probably pretty close to some body of surface water, a lake, a river, a stream, or at the very least, uh, it's, it's right near some groundwater source like an aquifer. Wow. It sounds like I need to invest in a boat. 
Okay. Um, so that is true. Uh, there's a lot of water all around us, below us. It, it's, uh, it's not surprising that some of it will end up in our basements. So that begs the question of how do we keep the water out of our basement, or at the very least, how do we manage the water that gets in? Right. Nowadays, multi-basements are a little out of style, I think. Uh, so it's true. As we're as we're thinking about that, we want to we want to stop that moldy basement experience. So starting with the easiest solutions to the most difficult, what can our listeners do to protect their man cave? Keeping the rainwater or the water out of your basement. It, uh, there's a lot of different things you can do. The strategy really is twofold, and I've you know you've seen your share of it, and I've seen my share of it too. Is people will, will call us up because they know we're into this we're the trades, and they're like, I've got water coming in my basement, and Invariably, nine times out of 10, uh, it's one of two things. It is A, no gutters or no water diversion. Water is pouring right off the roof and landing right next to the foundation. And B, there is no positive slope away from the house. So the water just sits there and runs right along the foundation. I had a good friend of mine. um, He's like, God, I get tons of water every spring. It's really getting pretty bad. Can you come by and take a look? And I did, I came by, you know, and this foundation was half sound. It it was decent. It was a good looking foundation. And we walked outside and in large parts of his house, the ground sloped towards his foundation. And you could see how the water was running through the yard and coming right up against the house. And I'm like, dude, uh, that's it right there. You know, you've got to fix that issue. Um, So it wasn't a gutter or downspout issue. It was literally the, the the ground was sloping. And I'll bet you've seen your your share of these sort of things too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and and sometimes it's really hard to deal with because maybe it's the driveway going right up against the house, but oh, being right. sloped towards the house. Oh, oh God. Total face palm. Yeah. Well, in this case, he actually, he had to spend a couple thousand dollars and get a landscaper come out and do a lot of regrading with a, a bobcat. And uh, it took quite a bit, but he got it done and problem solved. Yeah. And then some ways to really improve that Going uh, the extra mile with that grading is putting some plantings around the house. Mm. Those help absorb water. Uh, the other thing that that seems super cheap, and they look kind of cheap, but they work really brilliantly, are those plastic covers you can put over your window well. Because I know. collecting water in your window well, I mean, that's just a... It's a hole in your in your foundation. That's where water comes from. Yeah. Have you ever seen that case where you look in some or you're in someone's basement and they got the issue and you look out and you literally can see the water up against the yes, window? Absolutely. <laughs> you were the, in a submarine. Dive, dive. Goldfish in there. Yeah, goldfish. Yep. Yeah. So that that's not good. That's right. not good. Yeah. And the, so what you've described, those suggestions probably solve most people's water issues in their basements. Sometimes you gotta do a little bit more. Cause around here for, for every above ground or surface water body you see there's something similar underground our aquifer system and that means that uh water's flowing underneath our basement next to our basement and what can happen is during the spring thaws especially that water starts to come in from below below the basement floor Mm-hmm. through the basement walls so that's that's not coming from from uh, the rain or anything like that that's coming from underground uh so how do we deal with stuff like that so even if you can't find that specific source of water in your basement, it could be coming in through the concrete. You might even have a, a small spring underneath your house. It's possible. We've, we've seen it. Um, sometimes you need to do uh, something a little more drastic. But if you're building a newer home, hopefully there is a, a coating of foundation protection or like a coating of tar damp proofing on the outside of the foundation. And hopefully there's also uh, what's called a drain tile that 
black corrugated pipe that everybody sees and wonders what that stuff is or uses it for like, you know, Halloween decorations, but it actually has a job. I, I know. It, well, people. I, what Halloween are you attending? Well, you know, <laughs> big spiders in the yard. I don't know. Okay. I, but they, Maybe. But you right. know, we've seen it. But it actually goes down along the foundation and should be coming in and going into a person's sump pump. So you might have that sump pump in your basement. Right. And, and the way you know if you have a sump pump in your basement, go down to your basement You've got, uh, it's about a two foot in diameter hole in the basement floor. And inside of that is a pump. And the idea is that that drain tile, that that perforated pipe you have going around your foundation actually collects water. And because it's an open pipe there, that's the, the easiest pathway for water to go. It's sloped towards that sump pit, that, that two foot uh, diameter hole in your basement floor. And then once that water fills to a certain height, you've got a pump in there that turns on and, and just is going to empty that pit out and pump that water, uh, ideally far enough away from your house that it doesn't just kind of recirculate, cir- circle back in. Yeah. Um, and, and so pump that water away and, and then the work, that work is done. But for example, I live in an older home. It was built in 1911 and there is no sump pump in there and there's mm. no drain tile. And so what what can a person like me do? In that situation where you're getting the water in, you know, you've already fixed the gutters, you've fixed the landscaping, you can get a contractor in and these these basement contractors will come in and they will retrofit a uh, that drain tile on the inside of your house. They'll literally go along and break out the concrete around the perimeter of your home, right up against the foundation. They'll break the concrete, pull it out like in about a foot and a half or two foot wide path. They'll dig down, they'll put this drain tile in all the way around the perimeter and install a sump crock or, you know, the sump pit and tie it all together and then pour the concrete back in place and kind of get you that drainage that you're hopefully supposed to have. Yeah, it is not cheap work. I I had a a house where I thought, oh, I'm going to do this myself. Oh, boy. boy, This is going to be expensive. And, you know, let me tell you what, they're going to use a jackhammer for several hours to break up that concrete. And then they're going to pull out that that concrete rubble, mm-hmm. one five-gallon bucket at a time. Yeah, it's fun. And so it was my idea that I was going to save a, save a few bucks doing this. And, and then finally, lady husband's like, uh, you're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you are too old, and we're going to get a professional. And it, it, it costs several thousand dollars to get that done. But i got to tell you what, in this basement, it went from regularly squeegeeing that place out from mm. starting in March, sometimes well into July. Wow. And and then it, all of a sudden it was over. It was just, it's just bone dry down there. Nice. Squeegee has been disappeared. It's brilliant. Nice. And you know, a lot of these issues could be solved by, I don't know, not even building a basement if you're building a new home. Oh my God, you're so breaking my brain oh right now. Oh my God. Now. You go to other parts of the country and, and they have no basements. They don't do basements. It's a it's pretty much a regional thing, really. It, it it is. It so I I don't know if I can I don't know if Wisconsinites can handle a world without basements, but but I think we we probably should leave it there while we while we imagine this nightmare scenario. Oh my God! Know where to put our stuff. Okay, it's true. I, I, I'm not gonna try and imagine that because I don't want my head to break. Yeah, if you have any questions about that. <laughs> <laughs> 
or any other questions having to do with home improvement, home remodeling, or carpentry, why don't you drop us an email at thehousealwayswins at wortfm.org. Excellent. Thanks, Allie. Thanks, John. See you next time. It's a wrap for WORT's live local news at 6. Your script editor was Russ Mackey. Your reporter tonight was Faye Parks. Special thanks to feature contributors D-Star, D John Stephanie, and Ali Barini. Thanks also to Jonah Chester and Stu Levitan for their fundraising and pledge drive help. Engineer Dylan Brogan got the news on the air. Nate Wiggy helped produce this newscast. And Miss Shali Pittman is the news director here at WORT. Thank you guys for listening and pledging. I'm your host, Marcus Slate. And I'm your host, Stacey Harbaugh. Up next is the Perpetual Notion Machine. Keep pledging. Stay tuned. Good night.